And now, for our feature presentation. Imagine a time where there's no iPhones, no online gaming, and no internet. This was the 1980s and a great time growing up. For me, it was a decade of learning life through good and bad experiences in those years. So many stories and crazy characters that influenced my life in the 80s. I'm Tony B, and this is Random Tales of an 80s Stoner, Volume 3. This episode, we will call it the Concert Edition. getting tickets for a concert, we would just go to the Bergner's department store that was located in the mall, and you'd take the escalator, go on upstairs, and they had a Ticketmaster counter. You would tell them what concert you wanted and what dates they would find it. Back then, I'd just pay cash, you get your tickets, and you'd be all excited looking at that ticket and realizing you're going to a show six to sometimes nine months from now. Now, the cool thing was, it was very goal-oriented. When I bought tickets for, I think it was Pink Floyd at the Milwaukee County Stadium, we'll talk about that story later. I want to say it was like seven months before the show and all I kept thinking was, all right, man, I just can't die in the next seven months to be safe. Make sure I can make it to Milwaukee to check out Pink Floyd at the Milwaukee County Stadium. But now a lot of times the big shows, the ones, man, you had to make sure you got a ticket. You would spend the night out in the parking lot. And what a what a scene that was back then. So many people out there parking and they're partying and drinking and smoking and everything else. This was about 11, 12 o'clock at night and it would run till about 6, 7 in the morning. More times than not, you'd run out of gas and fall asleep in the car. Probably about, you know, 5, 6 in the morning. Tickets went on sale at like 8 a.m. So you'd get out of the car and you'd get back in line and everybody was pretty cool about it. Everybody knew where everybody was at in line. But it usually took that one person, that domino effect. Once one person went up to the doors, everybody went to the doors. But you had your tickets. You had them golden tickets like Willie Wonka, man, to go see some real badass concert back in the 1980s. To start off this episode, the very first concert I ever seen was in the early 1980s to see the Canadian trio known as Rush. It was the Signals tour at the Rosemont Horizon, and I'll tell you what, I remember days before the show, I must have listened to that cassette probably 10 times each day. So anyways, going to the show, I was the youngest guy in the car, so I was told that I had to hold weed. Now when I say hold weed, I'm talking about a dime bag worth of weed in a sandwich baggie shoved all the way up in 
the crack of my ass pretty much all the way down into the taint area. So it was very uncomfortable and I was like freaking out when we were walking in. I was trying not to freak out, but I was pretty high as a billy goat man approaching those security guards and I didn't know what was going to happen since it was my very first concert. Well, everything went with no hassles and we went to our seats in the 200 section of the Rosemont Horizon. Now the 200 section at the Rosemont Horizon was the first balcony in about a mid-size arena. So we had very good seats, pretty much dead center to the stage. Well, we were sitting there for about 10 minutes, just kind of firing it up and getting all excited for the concert. And then the lights went out and man, people were screaming and going nuts. I remember they started with some Three Stooges theme and then all of a sudden, man, the lights kick on, the music starts blasting, the laser lights are bouncing all over the place. And let me tell you, I had goosebumps up and down my arms. It was so cool. I knew all the songs being played and I'm telling man, the energy of the show is just totally taking over my emotions. It was so awesome to hear these songs that you hear every day on a tape cassette being performed live. It was so, so awesome. And let me tell you, between the live performance and the crazy videos running on the big screen, not to mention being pretty goddamn high at the time, nothing, I mean absolutely nothing compares to hearing a live performance from a good rock band. So after the show was over, I remember walking back out to the car, man, I'm talking about every song that was played and surprised on some of the songs they didn't play. Now, sadly, that's pretty much the same conversations I have even to this day when I go to shows. But I honestly couldn't believe how much my ears were ringing the next day. And little did I know those ears would keep ringing since the 1980s. Now, back in the 1980s, we went to a lot of concerts, but let me tell you, the one artist I seen probably the most in that decade was Robert Plant. Now, if you don't know who Robert Plant is, I don't think you can truly appreciate the random tales of an 80s stoner. But if you are enjoying it, I will continue for you. Robert Plant was the lead singer of the Thunder of the Gods, known as Led Zeppelin. Now, for me, Led Zeppelin played a huge part of my youth, and it was always awesome to watch Plant perform live back in the 80s. Now, a quick side note, there's always been the big debate on who was the better band to listen to. And, you know, you're getting all buzzed and you're maybe sitting down in the basement or sitting in the car and you want to jam some tunes. And some people really dug Pink Floyd and others were really big Led Zeppelin fans. Now, for me, I truly appreciated both bands. But I look at it kind of like how people look at different wines for poultry or beef, you know, how their dinners go. For me, at least, listening to Pink Floyd and getting all buzzed. They would take you on a journey in your mind that you would just kind of go into a psychosis coma and, and would just have thoughts that you probably shouldn't even be thinking about, things that maybe you should keep locked away. Whereas always with Led Zeppelin, having a good buzz going on, listen to Physical Graffiti, Houses of the Holy, Led Zeppelin 1, 2, man, I can keep going on. We just always put a smile on my face, put a good buzz going, and always appreciate the good times of getting high and jamming Led Zeppelin. Now, the one time when I seen Robert Plant, he was performing at an old outdoor arena near Chicago called Poplar Creek. Well, we took my buddy's dad's work van, which was like a big empty cargo van. Now, we did have to take all the tools out of it before we left. We threw in a bunch of lawn chairs. So we drove up to Chicago in this beat up van with about six guys sitting in the back in lawn chairs, drinking from a keg of beer in the middle of all of us. And I remember, I think probably at least one time, every one of us got tossed out of our lawn chair from my buddy driving like a complete asshole on the highway. So as we started approaching Poplar Creek, we were about two plus miles from the parking lot and there was like three lanes of cars going into the entrance. Well, all of a sudden the traffic just like came to a complete stop and not to mention it was hotter than hell out that day, man. So since we weren't flying down the highway anymore, we decided to open up the sliding door to get some air and let me tell you, it was the best idea we had opening that door as the traffic was slowly moving people in other cars seen us and wanted a cup of beer from the tap. So 
we started selling the beer for a dollar cup. We're jumping out, handing two, three, four beers. They're giving us a few bucks, and, you know, everything was great. Well, all of a sudden, as the traffic moves a little bit longer, we're now trading a few cups for a joint, which was getting to be pretty cool. So we're giving guys two, three beers, and they've got a nice little fatty twisted up for us, and we're taking it back to the car. I mean, it was absolutely insane. But I have to admit, the coolest part was there was a car full of chicks. We're showing them the beers because now we've already made a few bucks and we got a few joints on us. So we're rolling, man. We're almost to the entrance and we're like, hey, we got beer, you know, and they're like, oh, give us a cup, give us a cup. And of course, as late teenage boys would say, well, hey, show us your tits. Well, next minute, you know, the four girls in the car lifting their tops up and bobbling them around. And of course, we're, you know, late teens. We're just like in awe of seeing breasts hanging out of a car on a Saturday late afternoon. So naturally, we gave them a whole bunch of beer and, you know, it was it was great, man. It was quite the experience going in a traffic jam trying to get into Poplar Creek. Well, the show itself was completely awesome. And as usual, when I go see Robert Plant, my soul was filled from one of the gods of rock. But I'll tell you what, the show was awesome. But that road trip and partying with so many cool people in the parking lot when we got there was one experience I would never forget from the 1980s. One show I went to that I have to admit surprised me how good the performance was. I was dating this girl back in the late 80s, and we'll just, uh, we'll call her Mary. Now, Mary was a beautiful young lady. She was a couple years older than me, and she was very, very innocent. Just not the usual girls I used to date during that decade. But the people that she ran around with were a lot of partiers I knew growing up. So she had tickets for John Cougar Melon Camp up at Alpine Valley. And I was like, okay, I'm really happy happy for you and wanted me to go with. Now, the people she was going with, they were big hardcore drinkers and partiers, and I was like, you know what? I think I can make a good time out of this. Sure, I'll go with. So I got a free ticket to go see John Cougar Mellencamp at Alpine Valley. So we get up to the show, and man, we are just drinking left and right, and we're talking hard liquor. Those guys really didn't have a lot of weed on them. I had just a little bit for myself, so I was being stingy about it, but they were huge drinkers, and we got just completely shit-faced out in the parking lot. And matter of fact, at one point, Mary was the first time she ever got high was with me. And I was surprised because after she got high, the damn girl couldn't stay awake. She kept falling asleep like like narcolepsy, man. She just kept like falling asleep. It lasted for about an hour or so. And then she kind of like got out of the funk and she was cool. But I was like, how do you get high like that and just fall asleep? Well, to each his own, I guess. So anyways, we get into the concert and I mean, it was a really good show. I was really surprised. It was all like pop radio music, but John Cougar was getting after it man playing like paper and fire and hurt so good and all these songs that you knew because you heard them on the radio well he played for about an hour and a half so as he's getting to the last song he tells everybody he he says hey we're gonna play this song and then we're gonna turn the lights on we're gonna take a break for about a half hour and then we're gonna start her all up again so don't go crazy go out and drink what you gotta drink smoke what you gotta smoke come on back and do a little party with me and the boys and when the song was over boom all the lights came on the back music kicked in. Nobody pissed and moaned. Nobody was saying encore. Everybody got out of their seats and headed out to the parking lot, into the area where like the merch was and the food and everything. So naturally we went back out to the big suburban we drove up and started drinking some more again and drinking. And let me tell you, I've never been much of a big drinker even to this day. And the reason being is I don't feel like I have good self-control. I get pretty, uh, pretty rambunctious, man. I'm a very happy drunk. I'm not one of these guys that want to fight. I'm usually the guy that wants to hug and kiss. You know what I'm saying? So it's not really good for me to always have too much to drink. That night was definitely one of those nights where I had way too much to drink, man. I was like hitting on every broad I seen out in the parking lot, the ones in front of me. And of course, Mary was like sleeping in in her chair in the beginning of the show because she couldn't stay awake from smoking just a couple hitters. Go figure. But anyways, the one thing I did realize is I'm not a big drinker when it comes to going to live venues. I'd rather get a good buzz going, be kind of high and enjoy the music. So anyways, like I said, we got really, really shit faced out in the parking lot. We came back in about 30, 35 minutes later. The background music stops. The lights turn off and John Cougar 
through, did another hour and a half. So that dude played for like three hours that night. Now, it didn't make me a big John Cougar fan, trust me. He's got some good tunes, man. He's got some good rap going on. So once in a while, when I do hear a little John Cougar on the radio, I'm thinking, God damn, man, I remember that concert I went to, and I went with Mary that night, and her friends, and friends of mine, and got all shit-faced. Now, I will say, unfortunately with Mary, I was all excited because she was such an innocent person, and some of the things we did was the first time she did things, and I was like really excited to have this girl and be like her mentor, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to get too into detail, but she had this voice, and when you first started dating her, she had this voice that would be perfect to be like a preschool teacher, just a very soft and pleasant voice. So when she would talk, a lot of times I was always just completely high as a billy goat, man, coming over to her house, and I'm just like, damn, Mary, you got such a sweet voice. Well, I'll tell you what, after dating this broad for about three months and not doing all the things I normally did with my stoner chicks, and then to hear that voice, it was really getting on my nerves. She was a super chick, man, very cool. And I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyways, because why not? We're, we're laying the truth out here. Here's a little side story with Mary. Like I said, she was a very innocent person. And one night we go out in my 1954 Chevy Bel Air. And I just actually bought the car maybe a few weeks earlier. So I take her for a ride in it and we're kind of hanging out. We're doing all the little kissing and touching and stuff. And Mary decided she wanted to do something for me. And apparently she's never done this before. And if she has, no one ever critiqued her before. So I'm thinking, wow, she's like venturing downward as we were kind of just sitting there kissing. So I'm like, hey, this is kind of cool. I'm kind of digging this. Well, after the initial, wow, she's doing this. After about maybe yeah, 45 seconds to a minute, I'm like, oh, wow, this is probably the worst I've ever had. And I remember I uh, was looking around the car thinking, all right, we gotta, we're we going to paint the dash. We got to do, I'm all of a sudden, I'm doing a checklist in my head with me and my dad have to do to this car. So she's going at it. God love her, man. She was doing it for like 15, 20 minutes. And, you know, all of a sudden I just pulled her up and I'm like, oh, that was great. That was great. You know, so anyways, we get in the house and, you know, one thing cool about Mary was she was a couple years older than me and she was old enough to buy beer. So we had like a 12 pack on us or something. Like I said, this was a time where I was kind of drinking a little bit, but I didn't really care for it that much. So like I've said previously, once I start drinking, I get a little rambunctious, flirty, but rambunctious. That's the key word. So as we're sitting there drinking that night and I was talking to her, I'm like, hey, you know what you did for me before? She's like, yeah, smiling. I'm like, wow, that was really cool. I really dug it. She's like, oh, you know, all smiles. But can I be honest? She just looked at me and I'm like, um, I think it was great what you did, but you got to kind of, you know, use your hands a little bit. You got to kind of move it. Now, we were drinking long neck. I think it was Budweiser's maybe. I can't remember the beer, but it was a long neck. <laughs> this is bad. I shouldn't even be saying this, but names have been changed, but it's really bad on my part. So anyways, I get this beer and I'm going, you got to kind of, so I'm kind of rotating the bottle in my mouth. I'm like, you know, you got to kind of move it. And I've got my other hand on the bottom of the Budweiser or long neck, whatever the hell it was. And I'm like, you got to kind of use that bottom hand, you know, kind of cradle everything, get everything in the hands. You know what I'm saying? And she's just looking at me and I'm like, then, you know, and all of a sudden I'm bobbing my head on this long neck. <laughs> I'm just thinking about it, it just cracks me up. So what I forgot was... Mary had an older brother. I think he went to U of I or some college, but he was home because it was the summertime and he had a part-time job and he was working nights. So he comes down the stairs to go to work and here I am going to town like a porn star on this long neck bottle of beer. And he just kept looking. All of a sudden my eyes flipped over because I could see someone was standing there and he just smiled and goes, Tony, man, I don't think you're going to get any more beer out of that bottle. I had to tell that story. I thought it was funny. I always think of it once in a while. It just pops in my head and I feel bad because she was such a sweet girl and I was such a, a goddamn scumbag at the time. And I'm, I guess in some ways I was trying to help her, you know, for future boyfriends and maybe whoever she's married to today, she just performs awesome fellatio and she learned it back in the 1980s. Is in the hall 
I think I can honestly say one of my favorite road trips of all time, no matter if it was a concert or just a road trip in general, was going to see Pink Floyd at the Milwaukee County Stadium back in the mid-80s. Right off the bat, it was a good trip because it was three of my pretty close buddies and all three of them had their own weed. Now, let me tell you, you might smile and laugh over that, but it's so hard to have a group of people hang out and have their own party supplies. Because let me tell you, it didn't matter what kind of party it was, whether it was just five or ten dudes in a basement or a 40-50 bash in a backyard. You always have those few people that never bring anything to the show and then they're always mooching and borrowing and all that stuff. This was one road trip where everybody had their own stash, they had their own paraphernalia, had their own snacks. We looked like we were going on a picnic, but we were going on probably one of the most badass road trips I've ever experienced and that was going to the Milwaukee County Stadium. Now the whole way up to Wisconsin, it was just a blast, man. Just having a good laughs, passing the bowl around, eating snacks, and the next minute you knew we were at the Milwaukee County Stadium. Now, I've never been to a Grateful Dead concert, but I have to probably think that the crowd was probably the same type of insanity, man. Bunch of hippies walking around. You know, I was so used to going to shows, being around people that rocked out to like the Scorpions and Def Leppard and ACDC and Montrose and Motorhead, you know, the the leather strap wristbands and you know just that jean jacket kind of approach and all these people were just kind of laid back man bell bottoms and hippies and tie dyes and all that stuff for Pink Floyd it was definitely a different vibe concert I've ever been to so when we got to our seats now Milwaukee County Stadium was probably the first time I'd been to a concert where it was literally a, a baseball field it was a ballpark so right off the bat we knew it was going to be a wild night we get to our seats and there's about 10 of these guys now I don't know what you would call them they were Harry Christian some kind of religious cult because all 10 of them had on these robes. They were all like shaved head except for like a patch in the back. A couple of them had like a ponytail, but they all had like these little hair patches in the back of their heads. All I'm thinking is, oh man, my dad warned me about these people. This is going to be a bad night, like not good. Wound up being a really cool night, man. These guys were all like in their 20s. Really good dudes, man. And I'm telling you, they had some really, really good weed and whatever was sprinkled in it, it definitely made the pink Floyd concert much more enjoyable than it was already enjoyable. So anyways, they get going and man, it's just a trip, man. The lights are off. They're playing Dark Side of the Moon music. They're playing stuff off of even metals. And it just was an insane show. It's just awesome. At one point, they're playing a song and we're really getting into it. And just, I mean, definitely some psychedelic going on. I'll just put it that way. And they have this big giant pig floating over the stadium and it just the music's building up everybody's freaking out because there's this big inflatable pig well then all of a sudden it just blew up just burst now if you don't believe me you can check on the pig that blew up in milwaukee county stadium in the 80s i was at that show i mean it wasn't something that was supposed to happen this thing just like dropped on the crowd and everything but people were going nuts because it was such a great show and now we are going to our luxurious hotel room well it wound up being a two-story motel probably built back in the 60s and as we pull in there's these uh, not very attractive young ladies looking for dates that night. Now we were already really high and having a good time and it was late because we partied with the, the bald-headed dudes in the robes out in the parking lot for a while so we didn't get back to the motel until I would say 1-2 in the morning and we went to the room and of course psh, we're firing up again or doing shots and having a fun time. Matter of fact, two of my buddies passed out on the same bed. It was like double queen room we got and me and my cousin he was the other guy with us him and i stayed up all night and we were watching these two black dudes with big afros in a kickboxing match on like espn this was back in the day and it was just a trip watching it and we both you know pass out so anyways next day we wake up and it was so funny because when we got up there's my two buddies are spooning each other on the queen bed so of course we had to be real dickheads i went over and pulled their pants down so they're <laughs> spooning each other with their pants down but you know we we're just fun and having a good time. Anyways, we're packing up. We're getting ready to leave because we wanted to head back home to Illinois. And now 
we partied pretty much most of the night. Now, after we left the city of Milwaukee and we're on the highway, we realized that nobody cleaned out the ashtray. So that made probably got about a dime's worth of roaches because we were like just living like pimps, man. We maybe would smoke half a joint and then put it out, whatever, and we'd fire up another big fatty, man. Next to me, you know, you got all these half roaches hanging in this ashtray. And somebody made out and had a good night after that, let me tell you. Now, on our way up to Milwaukee, we seen this big triple X adult bookstore. And we're like, oh, we're going to have to hit that when we get back. So we're driving for quite a while. It's somewhere near, I want to say, the Illinois-Wisconsin border. And we've seen it again. We're like, none of us has ever been to a triple X bookstore before. And I got to remember, there was no internet back then. So we didn't have all these porn hubs. Our porn was basically magazines or video cassettes that we, you know, got from somebody. So we go ahead and we're like, let's go there, man. Screw it. Let's just go. So we pull in the parking lot right away. The sign says, I think, 21 and older. So none of them wanted to go in. Well, I talk my cousin to going in with me. So him and I go into the store and there's somebody ringing up at the register. So we just walked right in. So we go over by the magazine area. And like you said, you got to remember, this was before the internet. So you're walking up at these magazine racks and anything you could think of. I mean, there was like dudes choking out these Korean looking women. And then there's guys with leashes on their necks and all these crazy, crazy covers on these magazines. We walked down a little too far and all of a sudden we're seeing like dudes going at it. We're like, well, we got to get out of this aisle. So we go over a couple more and we're over by, I guess, what you would call the adult toys. And it was so freaky. Now, granted, maybe we were pretty high at the time as usual, but there was like this glass case and these were like the high-end dildos. And what they were were these prosthetic-looking real things, man. They had fucking veins in them and everything, but they were turned on. So as they're standing straight up in this glass case, they're moving around like the head on them is rotating. The one was really freaky looking because it was uncircumcised. So it kind of had this latex flesh kind of hanging over it. It looked gross, man. It looked like something you would put on a, on a fucking fish hook to go fishing. So we're looking at all this. We're just like, wow, these things are crazy. Can you imagine buying one of these and bringing it home? Like, hey, baby, I got a dick for you and it's not mine. And they were white flesh. They were black flesh. There was these little tiny ones and big gigantuous ones. So as we're walking through, we see these blow-up dolls. Now we're laughing because these blow-up dolls are just so stupid, man. I mean, it looks like something you would use in your swimming pool. But then there were these two pigs, kind of looked like the one from the Floyd concert the night before. And there were sheep. There was a white sheep and a black sheep. Well, the black sheep one, you could grab. I mean, the other ones were up really high up on the shelf. So I grabbed it. I'm like, what the fuck do you do with this thing, you know? And the sheep's mouth is open and it's got, obviously, you know, you can shove it in the mouth and on the backside. For one, it's not a real person. So it's not like you're, you're meeting this fetish. I guess you are if you're in a bestiality. So we're laughing our asses off back there, making noises like, please stop, stop doing it to me, Farmer Ted. But being really obnoxious about it, you gotta remember we're, what, 17, 18 years old, just being completely loud and completely obnoxious. Well, the guy comes up, was standing at the counter, and as he comes around the corner, I happen to be pretending like I was maybe uh, raping the sheep. <laughs> I was kind of like hold its face and coming from behind on it. It's like, we gonna teach you good sheep. And I forget all the words I said, but nevertheless, he did not like it. And he told us to get the, well, to get the F out of the store right now. And he got real boisterous with us. And we're like, fuck you and all this and that. And he's yelling at us. So granted, we were underage. So we got the hell out of there. And we just talked about the whole way back, telling the other two guys that didn't go in. We're like, dude, there were like these huge dicks in glass cases. How big? And I'm like, dude, they were big. And then one guy's like, well, I'm pretty big. How big are they? are like, man, we seen you. We pulled your skivvies down last night when you two were spooned. We know it ain't that big. So we got a good laugh over it. But anyways, we smoked a lot of weed, drank a little beer on the way back, had some great stories and all the concerts I've been to since. That was probably the most fun going to see Pink Floyd at the Milwaukee County Stadium back in the 1980s. Hey, this is Tony B, and I hope you're enjoying Random Tales of an 80 Stoner Volume 3 of the Concert Series. And you know what? If you want to hear more of the Random Tales Volume 1 and Volume 2, it's right where you got this one, the Tony B Channel. Check out all the music and entertainment on the channel. We have 70s rock, 80s rock, 90s rock, with a little bit of history tied into each episode. So check those out, not to mention all the good rockers that we call the Undercards Rock, the bands that need to be heard that you don't hear on the radio, all that right here on the Tony B channel.
Now, his next concert was probably in the mid to late 80s, and it was actually one time I actually learned a little science going to a show. Now, this concert was Robert Plant, and it was the Manic Nirvana Tour up at Alpine Valley. Now, I've already seen Robert Plant at the time probably about four or five times already in this past four or five years. So, but it was still cool to go see him, especially going up to Alpine Valley, one of my favorite outdoor venues of all time, even including today. But this time, we took a few cars going up to Alpine Valley, and my one buddy had about six people in his, like, big old Ford Granada. Yeah, ugly-ass car, man. And my one buddy had, like, a Grand Dam. He had three, four people in it. And, well, I rode up with my cousin, and my cousin drove a Chrysler LeBaron convertible. Yeah, it was a chick's car, but I tell you what, though, it was convertible, and it was fun to drive. But we're going up some back roads. I couldn't tell you right now specifically what roads they were. So we're driving up, him and I. We got the music blast, and I think we're pounding, like, you know, Judas Priest and the cassette player and doing like 80 miles an hour with the top down. It was a beautiful summer night as we left Illinois to get into Wisconsin. So as we're partying, we're passing it back and forth. We learned a long time ago, you don't smoke a bowl with the top down in a convertible. Let me tell you, we learned that in my car. And maybe that's a story we'll tell for another volume. But we did learn that time. It's not real good to smoke a pipe with the roof down on a car. So we knew better. So we had either hitters and we were passing the dude back and forth. Just talking about things. We're related, obviously. We're cousins, so we were talking about family stuff and whatnot. So as we get into Wisconsin, we're getting closer um, to the venue. All of a sudden, it's getting dark out, meaning the clouds, and it starts raining. Well, we're traveling pretty fast. We can see the water hitting the windshield. All of a sudden, it's pouring rain, man. It's coming down like crazy. We're not getting wet, and we're high as can be, and we're both like, how are we not getting wet, dude? The top is down, and we're both looking up at the sky, it's like there's no rain hitting me. Now, we weren't looking at the back seat, and the back seat got pretty soaked by the time we got to the venue. But we both were just completely freaking out that we can see the water hitting the roads. And it's, you know, he's got his windshield wipers going at the highest speed so we can see. And we're both just like, wow, we are staying dry, man. How is this happening? Obviously, we didn't <laughs> think about us traveling. Like I said, we weren't the brightest guys back in the day. I think we were the second car of the three. But my friend in the Ford Granada is ahead of us. So he's we're following him and long as we could see his taillights because it was raining really hard that we could stay we knew where we were at well all of a sudden his taillights get really bright he's hitting the brakes and going off the side of the road like on the shoulder and we're like oh no you know what happened we, of course we don't have cell phones so we can't communicate with each other well we stop because you know we're we're okay man but for some reason we're not getting wet in a convertible so it's okay to stop well we stop and all of a sudden it was like buckets of water on us now my cousin his chrysler lebaron didn't have the greatest convertible top you had to like hit the motor the switch on it but somebody had to grab it and pull it so here i am i'm jumping up on his bucket seats i'm trying to grab this son of a bitch it's it's coming down hard it's almost like a hail it's coming down so hard i'm muscling this thing to try to get it over finally get it over our heads we lock it in and i'm already soaked he's soaked like let's see what the hell's going on so we both run over to their car and as we're coming up to their car our buddy uh, we'll just call him john got out of the car we're like john what's going on he goes oh we stopped because it was raining we figured you had to put your top up and we just looked at him it was so funny because what i was thinking my cousin did and that is he just bitch slapped him he's like dude everything's wet in my fucking car now because of your stupidity he goes don't you know can't get water in the car when we're traveling at a high rate of speed and we're both like yeah dude you're so fucking stupid so we run back to the car and we're like so did you know that he's like no man i had no clue that you can't get wet as you're traveling like i ride motorcycles all time and I'm like my front is always soaked and he's like yeah and I'm like well how come I get wet riding a motorcycle but we're staying dry in the car he's like oh I have no idea, man, how that would happen. I'm like, no, me neither. And I'm like, wait, you know what? And he's like, what? And I'm like, my bike doesn't have a windshield. He's like, yeah. So like I said, we weren't the brightest guys, but that was a conversation heading up to Alpine Valley to go see Robert Plant at the Manic Nirvana Tour. Now, the cool thing was we were actually still quite a ways away. When we did get to Alpine Valley, it didn't even rain there. It was like one of these big rain fronts that went through. It didn't even hit that area. So we get there. We parked the car. It's always such a task, man, trying to remember 
remember where you're at. You're like, okay, there's a light um, porta potty and an ugly red Chevy van or something. You always had to kind of give yourself markers or like, here's the way you get in and get out. One, three, four. Okay, we're about five rows to the back and halfway in between so we can just figure it out that way. We get inside and we're pumped. It was funny because the band, and I probably you don't even remember them. They were like a one-hit wonders, was UB40, I want to say. Now, I probably have my concert screwed up, but it was UB40, and like they only had like one song, which was Red Wine at the time. And we heard it playing. We're like, oh, we got time. Fuck it. We're not getting in there right away. So we're partying out there. Now, the whole group's together. There's three cars of people, and we're all together. I was really excited for my one friend, John's little brother, came with us. Now, his little brother was probably a freshman, sophomore in high school, and we were seniors, if not out of high school by this time for this concert. Now, if you've listened to the other random tales, this was the same kid that got busted by his dad when he came home from a work party and seen him. I think he was like an eighth grade freshman that time. And he's sitting at a table, a bunch of ditch weed and speeders grounded up to look like Coke. And if you don't remember that story, you can always download it and listen to it on random tales. I want to say it was volume one to be sure. But if not, listen to them both. Why not? I was real excited for him. We'll call him, uh, we'll call him George. And I was happy for George. He always looked up to the other guys that hung out with his brother, almost like his big brothers, because his brother was kind of a jerk to him. So he always dug us. Well, he was just fried, man. I don't mean from smoking weed. Apparently, he was drinking whiskey the whole way up with some other kids that were in the car that I didn't like in the first place. So poor George was pretty trash. So as we're going inside to get our merch before we go to our seats in the pavilion area of the Alpine Valley, we kind of all split up and went in our own separate ways. Our seats were all relatively close, but we wanted to go get the merch and maybe do a little twisting up and firing up a little bit before we got to the seats. We're in our section getting ready to watch the concert. So I'm like, where the hell is George at? He's in the bathroom puking. He was puking in the sink. Now the bathrooms were right as you came into Alpine Valley. It was uh, like right off to the side. I just looked at my cousin. I know the show is going to start and probably within a few minutes. And I'm like, oh man. Well, his brother John was there. John's like, what bathroom is he at? So I went with him because I felt bad. So me and John were walking through the crowds. We're going the opposite direction of like 99% of the people going to their seats. So we get over to the bathrooms and he, I mean, they, they weren't lying, man. <laughs> He's in there, just puke in the sink. He just looks like a just a fucking mess. Can't even get up. He's just like sloppy drunk, laying on the floor next to the brick wall. So of course his brother's just going off on him, hitting him in the head and yelling at him. And We're bringing him out of the bathroom. So we set him up, we propped him up next to the wall on the outside of the bathroom. So we're kneeling down talking to him like, dude, you, you're alright? You okay? He's blah, 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 just mumbling and shit. And he starts laughing. Dude, I'm hungry. I want to see Robert playing. Just a complete mess. People I don't like to be around. Now, even since I was younger to the days of now, I'm not one that likes to be around people that can't control their own high, whether it's drinking, smoking, snorting, whatever you're doing. If you can't control yourself, you're the last person that I want in my radius, man. And that's how it was even back then. So I propped him up and his, his brother's yelling at him. Well, I see the food guys. I go walking over there and I grab him like a burger and something else. And I'm like, here, eat this. Oh, dad, so hungry. You know, just mumbling. So I give him the food. He's eating it. He's sitting up. All of a sudden, you can hear everybody going nuts and it just gets dark in there. And I'm looking at John. He looks at me and I'm like, dude, I got to go back to my seat, man. I'm not missing Robert Plant, the god of classic rock. Come on. So he's like, George, you're going to be okay, man. You, you, know, you have your ticket, right, George? His ticket is just kind of like falling out of his shirt so I'm like hey I grabbed his ticket and I stuck it in his he had his jean jacket vest on because that was cool at the time here's your ticket I stuck it in there he's already been checked in it has your seat for like section whatever 150 row G and everything else when you're ready come on in I'm, uh, I'm alright I'm okay we both said fuck him let's go the concert's just awesome during the Manic Nirvana tour Robert Plant was covering more of the old Led Zeppelins which was just phenomenal great show Show, about an hour and a half. Show is over. The lights kick out. We're just like, wow, that was a great show. And I'm baked, man. I'm glad I'm not driving home and all these conversations. And all of a sudden I stop and I look over at John. I'm like, where's George? And he's like, oh, dude, I don't know. Completely forgot about him. So we're walking up. We know what bathrooms we're at. There's, and there's just so many people. So it's really hard to see. And we're looking for every kid that's like, you know, five foot six, 
with a, a mullet and a jean jacket. So, you know, needless to say, it was like 99% of the people we think are his little brother. Until we get to the bathroom, and we see his little brother curled up like in a little fetus, and he is sound asleep. That's right. He missed the entire concert. After he ate his burger, he laid down and slept. Now, the reason we know he slept the whole time was because he slept right next to security. Because they asked us, is this, is this person with you? And we're like, uh, yeah. They're like, oh, he's been here the whole time sleeping. We're like, oh, he's like, get him out of here. You know, they were being cool about it, but they knew he was underage. They knew he was drinking. Come on. So we get him out of there. We get back to the cars, which is always a feat, man, because now you can't remember where the hell you parked at. Find the vehicles, and we drove back. But I do want to say that was one time that I was very annoyed because if you're going to run with me, man, you got to be a big dog. You can't be one of these little pups that can't handle, like I said, you can't handle your high. Whether it's drinking or smoking, snorting, whatever you're doing, you got to be able to keep up. Now, I'm not saying you got to be a hard partier. You just got to know how to control yourself. Know when to say when. I'm not a big drinker. So my friends that drink a lot, you know, I'm not going to match them beer for beer, shot for shot. I'll be pissing my pants and puking. That's not me. Just like smoking weed. Some dudes like to smoke two, three joints in an hour. Man, I, you know what? That's just wasted weed. Take your time. I like a nice little buzz. I'm not one that gets completely trashed. And I don't like hanging around people like that now. And back in the 1980s. standards, I'm sure it would be a hassle too much time and be boring but let me tell you, back in the day spending the night waiting for tickets out in a parking lot to get in line to buy tickets in the morning was such a cool experience. I probably did it at least a half a dozen times back in the 80s and one of my favorite was the late 80s, I want to say 1988 that we sat out in the parking lot and partied all night, spent the night out there to get Metallica tickets that's right man, loving my Metallica and it was the Injustice for all tour and it was finally I was going to get to see Metallica live. Now I was very excited about it. Now granted the concert probably wasn't going to be for about another six months but hey you got to lead up to it. You got to party first to get the tickets and that's how everybody was. It was a big gathering to get those tickets for Metallica and the partying was just the same man. Cars all over the place. We knew like half the people out there in the parking lot. It was a great time just bopping around the car to car and everybody got there probably about 10, 11 o'clock at night. Security was kind of around the perimeter but they knew what was going on. They just wanted to make sure there was no fights or anybody getting shot or anything crazy like that. They weren't giving out wristbands back then. It wasn't any of that kind of crazy shit. Basically, everybody was so cool and to speed up when we did start going in that morning, it was literally about 10 or 15 people start walking to the doors and the rest was cut out of our cars. And whether you were number 25, 35, or 65 in line, it didn't matter. People were cool, man. They didn't run up on the sidewalks and everything like that because they knew the tickets were going to be there. So it was all good. Now to get back to that night, the best part about that evening was we were hanging out and about 50, 60 feet from us, there was this big, ugly ass old RV, man. It had to be probably late 70s, early 80s. I would say maybe, I'm not good with measurements. It was a shorter one. So what are they, like 25, 30 feet? And they had the canopy opened up on the side of it with the little, like, you know, supports. They had lawn chairs and just rocking out Master of Puppets, which was one of my favorite favorites from Metallica, so that caught my ear. So I'm like, dude, let's go over and talk to those people. So we start walking over. Well, they were old. <laughs> now, back then, when I'm talking old, they were like, oh my God, they were like 40. Yeah, go figure. So I'm like, wow, these are like older folks hanging out here. And like, hey guys, how you doing? We're like, hey, good, man. We're loving the tunes. And they're like, oh man, we love these guys. We've seen them when they first started in California. And we're like, really? All right. Well, you know what? From their stories of some of the venues in California, I got a feeling they had seen them. They've 
them and Anthrax and all these other bands that were up and coming in the early 80s and we're like wow these guys are really cool and it was a guy and his wife they were Hispanic and they lived in the Illinois area but they've traveled all over the place and I don't even know what he did and you know what for being older folks they knew how to party and when I say party I mean they know the presentation and it was so kick ass they had a table set up and they had like nachos on there and they had bags of chips and even soda so even if you didn't want to drink which was like my big forte I'm like cool I'd rather have a soda and smoke a lot of weed than drink whiskey and smoke weed because uh, you don't know how that night's gonna end when I start taking whiskey so it was so cool and they had a record player it wasn't even a cassette man they had a record player inside the RV just playing the very first four Metallicas which was just cool I was like yeah this is awesome and of course he was playing Injustice for All as well so anyways we're just rocking with these guys and having a fun time with this husband and wife duo great weed and then he brought out a bottle of tequila well he's got the salt and they got the shot glasses and the limes his wife's cutting up the limes and this is now like one two in the morning and it was just such a great time there was other people that came and went but we sat with them the whole time and in fact they were so cool because that tequila was pretty good let me tell you between that and smoking all that weed and just talking about things and they were telling us about all these concerts they went to and seen prior to that and they knew I was a Robert Plant fan so they were talking about when they seen Led Zeppelin back in like the 70s and I was like oh man these people are too fucking cool when we started getting tired they were like our parents they're like hey guys there's enough cots in there we got it all laid out if you want to go crash in there and we're like really you know I look and it's probably like four or five in the morning went inside they didn't care because they I think they literally stayed up all night because you can hear them out there talking to other people it's like four of us I think there was we went inside their RV and crashed and about eight o'clock in the morning he came in he said come on guys it's time to get your tickets bro come on man we you know, all excited for us and we're like yeah that was such a cool night to hang out with responsible adults that knew how to have badass weed good tequila and somewhere for me to sleep it was an awesome experience we got in line with them it took us maybe another hour through the mall got our tickets we were all pumped we went home and all crashed and we all hooked up later that night me and me and my buddies back in the neighborhood and all we talk about was i can't wait i just gotta stay alive i gotta stay alive for like i think it was a winter concert it was like november december or something for metallica i'm like i cannot wait till winter screw summer i want winter here so i can go see metallica it was such a great time hanging out in a parking lot like that now i can't lie i've been pretty honest in this volume here we talked about the beer bottle and i have to bring up this is true it was probably about a week before the concert and at the time i was very much in love with my woman at the time and she had a family get-together going on the same weekend as the injustice for all tour now you probably know where this is leading to and i just could not fathom the idea not being by her side all night long and i went to my buddies down in the basement at their house and i'm like look man then you guys want my ticket i gotta sell it i i tell you what i've done a lot of stupid shit in my life a lot of stupid things i, I could make a santa claus list of all the stupid shit i've done in my life but probably one of the top dumbest goddamn things i ever did was sell that ticket for face value so i could go hang out with my beautiful girl i'll never leave the girl i love for the rest of my life girl that i had to be with instead of seeing metallica performing live from the injustice for all tour yes i was stupid i was young dumb and in love baby now i must say that the girl that i just was so much in love with actually became wife number one i was young dumb and full of love back in the 1980s Say music was a big influence in my life would be a huge understatement, especially growing up in the 80s, man. I loved all my music. And when we used to play that good, heavy rock and roll, whether it was in a basement, outside at a park, or whatever the case may be, we would just get crazy, man. We'd start pushing each other. And I called it, we all called it back then, body slamming. And that's what we did, man. We'd body slam off each other, pushing each other, hitting each other, laughing and having a great time getting into the music, playing air guitar and banging your head with a long mullet going on. And more importantly, body slamming, pushing and hitting. 
Now, all the concerts we went to back in the 80s wasn't like that. A lot of times we'd just go to shows, be really, really fucking high, hang out in our seats, whether we're standing or sitting, enjoying the music, and it was all about the party than actually getting active at a concert. Now, the reason I build all that up is because the very first mosh pit, the very first time I heard the word mosh pit, was in 1990. The 80s stoner was living in San Antonio, and this was all a part of the wife number one era. During this time, I was hanging out with a lot of military folk from the United States Air Force, and I had a friend that was only about a friend of mine for about two weeks, and he had a ticket for the Monsters of Rock, and it was in San Antonio at the Sunken Gardens. Now, Sunken Gardens was a very small venue. It was more like a Botanica Gardens type area. It had a good-sized stage, a nice area big enough for everybody to stand there, and in the seating area were like all these like stones, like these big stones, decorative, obviously, throughout this grass and whatnot in rows that you you could sit and enjoy a concert, I guess. Probably more like a symphony, and that's why I was really surprised that the Monsters of Rock was in San Antonio's Sunken Gardens. Very beautiful place. So anyways, my buddy, his name, we'll just call him Jared, he drove. So we get there, and if you've never been to San Antonio, let me tell you, it's very populated with a lot of Hispanics. And we get there, and I felt like an NBA player, because every motherfucking Mexican there was probably about 5'2", 5'3". A lot of them had white Stetson hats on. I don't know why Stetsons are cowboy hats. So anyways, we get there now. This was a big show for San Antonio because the headliner was Slayer. It was Slayer. It was Megadeth. It was Anthrax. Them were the top three billings on this tour. So we get there and these Mexicans, man, are just drunk as shit. They're fighting out there and screaming. They're playing Tejano music. So needless to say, I told Jared, dude, I'm going to go inside. I'm not hanging out with these idiots in the parking lot. I got a good buzz going. Him and I were doing hitters on the way to the Sunken Garden. So I had a good high because let me tell you, down in San Antonio, a lot of good weed. A lot of good weed down there. I was must say, even though that was around the time I kind of hit the air brakes on partying all the time, during that little exposure down in San Antonio, had some really badass weed. In fact, one of the best I ever had down there was a guy that lived below me in my apartment and he was a border patrol officer. His name was Ernesto, to be honest. Ernesto. I mean, this dude was built like the rock. Just a huge dude. Big, muscular guy. But his face and his hair, he looked just like Ponch from Chips, Eric Estrada. I mean, he looked like Eric Estrada. It was, I even told him that. He just laughed at me. Ernesto was a good dude, but he had always good weed. He'd even say, you want some weed, man? I'll sell you some weed. He had weed. He had heroin. He had meth. This guy was a huge seller of drugs and he was a border patrol cop now you know well i'm not going to get into politics but hey if you're going to get the best weed you might as well be a border patrol cop so needless to say we did some good party and heading into the sunken gardens so i had a good high going on i had a good buzz i didn't want to hang around with a bunch of crazy ass mexicans out in a parking lot they were already way way obnoxious so we went inside we you know got our tickets validated we go in and there's maybe about 50 to 75 people inside already and the first band is playing and they just started playing. As soon as we start walking in, their music kicked in. And I never heard music like this before. It was rock. It was definitely rock and roll, but it had a had a sound to it. And I'm going to use the, the name of the genre. And what it was, it had this grunge music. Just a very different sound to it. And I'm like, I'm really digging this band. So I come walking up and, I mean, like I said, when I say walking up, I mean, there's nobody around. It's literally their girlfriends, uh, maybe some of the roadies and stuff, and just a few other people that were just going in the show early less than 100 people in this venue right now and I'm looking at this band and the lead singer is this really tall skinny blonde haired guy with a kind of a nasally voice and the band was Alice in Chains couldn't believe seeing this band how different they were than most of the 80s rock that I've experienced so far on cassettes on albums and in live performances I'm like these guys are really fucking good and they're playing Man in the Box and all these other songs it was just uh, just a great show and they only played for like 20 25, 30 minutes. It wasn't a very long set. During their set, though, between songs, they would say, hey, be sure you buy our, our new CD. And they just came out with their very first CD, and they were on a tour promoting the album. And they were just phenomenal, man. It was one experience I will never forget is seeing Alice in Chains live before they hit it big, and they were just different sound. It's really hard to explain growing up in the 80s and hearing the hair bands and the, the rock that we call classic rock now, like the Zeppelins and the Who and Pink Floyd, even the harder stuff, Motorhead, even Slayer and all them, they didn't have that same sound. It was 
different. That really attracted me to grunge music as the 90s progressed. But that was the beginning when I was like, whoa, these guys are really good. So after they were done, all of a sudden, everybody's coming in. The place is packed, man. And next coming up was Anthrax. It was Anthrax, then Megadeth, then Slayer. So I'm excited because I've never seen Anthrax. I've listened to them many a times, and I was really happy to hear them. And they did not disappoint. They went after it. Now, we're standing because we're up close since we were listening to Alice in Chains. So now we're kind of getting packed in with all these people. But like I said, man, I'm like an NBA player because I got a bunch of these little 5'3", 5'4", motherfuckers standing around me. So I'm comfortable. You know what I'm saying? I'm not worried about anybody knocking me on my ass, pushing me down, or getting into a fight. I was pretty comfortable. Well, they start playing their music, and all of a sudden, people are pushing each other. And meanwhile, I was, you know, I was blazing it up, getting high, having a good time. And all of a sudden, I'm getting bounced around, and I'm just smiling like, whoa, these guys are body slamming. I've never been with a bunch of other people before. Body slamming was always something we did in our neighborhood with the guys we knew. And I got strangers pushing me, and I just kind of smiled. I would say in the, probably the first song or two, I was more like a bumper car at a carnival. I wasn't doing any pushing. I was just getting pushed back and forth. These little Mexicans are all running around. There were some white dudes, too, but they're all, you know, like kind of doing the tribal dance. You know, they're going around in circles, and they're pushing each other, and I'm digging it, man. I'm digging it. I'm like smiling. I'm like, wow, this is this is a really great experience. So now I'm like, well, hey, if I can, if these guys can push. So I was kind of being timid about it. I didn't want to hurt nobody. I could pack a lot of push. You know what I'm saying? So all of a sudden, now I'm pushing people. They're pushing me, and they're like, everybody's got smiles, man. Everybody's having fun. Nobody's angry, and that was so cool about moshing, man, getting in that mosh pit, and I got bruises afterwards and stuff like that. I'm not going to lie, but it was fun, man. It was like so exhilarating to be just getting physical like that, but not getting in a fight. It's kind of hard to explain. If you've never been in a fight before, sometimes when you fight, you get your adrenaline going, and it's all this anger and emotions, where this was more just like pleasure, just getting pushed and pushing somebody back, and then when the song was over and the lead singer would start talking, a couple of guys were like smiling, patting me on the back, like, hey, man, you know, talking in Spanish and shit. I'm like, dude, no habla espanol. I'm American, man. I'm in America. I speak English. Take a hit off this bowl. Come on now. That's one universal language. Whether you speak Spanish or English, as you pack a bowl and pass it, we're good. We're all good. And that's what it was. It was a great time. Now, about the time we got into Megadeth, it was getting rowdy. Now people from the back were coming up closer and it was getting tighter. But when that mosh pit was going, you got to give us space, man, because it was getting crazy. People tribal dancing, pushing and shoving. Now, this whole time I'm getting after it and I'm thinking, where's Jared at? The dude I came with. Because he was standing next to me during Alice in Chains and he was kind of part of the mosh pit, but I kind of lost him. Jared was actually a little bit taller than me. He was about 6'2", 6'3". So he wouldn't be hard to find. Big, blonde-haired kid. So I'm looking around. I'm like, well, man, what happened to fucking Jared? You know, looking and looking. Well, all of a sudden, he's got his shirt off and he's throwing punches. And I looked at him in the face and he's got blood on the side of his cheek and he's angry, man. He's just got this crazed look in his eye and you can see dudes are pushing him back and guys are like kind of walking away from him because they're like, you know, this gringo is getting too crazy. And I just kept looking at him like, dude, you are a, you are a fucking meathead. And I just completely lost all respect for this dude. I'm just looking at him. And I just kind of shook my head, kept getting pushed around and everything else and enjoying it back and everything like that and having fun. But I got to admit, I was getting a little tired. You know, I mean, this is, <laughs> you're talking almost two hours of mosh. And so by the time Slayer came on and they did a just a phenomenal show for never seeing Metallica and seeing Slayer. It was right up there, man. I was just like, God damn, this is a good show. But anyways, when Slayer started, I was getting like, all right, you know, and uh, 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 no mas, no mas, I'm done. So I went back to the front row of the seats, which nobody was sitting in because it was just this crazy mosh pit in the whole standing area. And I just stood on top of these stones because now standing up, now you're about four or five feet above everybody else anyway. So with all these little Mexican dudes, I'm really up there and it was cool you know i mean i was safe in the sense of i wasn't getting pushed anymore or any of that kind of stuff just enjoying my high you know did some couple hitters watching slayer and then my friend jared comes up so he comes up and he stands next to me and he's just like dude you gotta come with me over here i got some dudes over there we gotta beat the fuck out of man they're talking all this shit and, and i'm like how come you got blood on your face because do i got blood oh man i punched this one dude so fucking hard in the nose i kind of thought i got some blood because i could taste it in my mouth and he's just going on and on like he's some goddamn war and I'm just like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, you want to, you know, smoke some more weed with me? Maybe, you know, calm down. And he's like, I got to stay in the moment. I think he said, I got to stay in the moment, dude. I got to stay in the moment. And I'm like, cool, man, you do that. Just get in the moment, brother. Get in the moment. And he just like swims back into the, the Slayer pit. He's gone. After a little bit, once I got my second wind, I went back in the pit. Had a great time. End of the show, man. Slayer just fucking slayed it. Talking to these Mexican dudes. Half of them didn't even speak English. We're just jibber jabbering back and forth. So we get out in the parking 
parking lot and I'm out there and I'm like looking around for Jared and I was pretty high when we got in. So I didn't know where he parked at. Had an idea. I knew there was like two big sides of the parking lot and I knew I had to go to the right. So I'm looking over there and I keep looking around and I'm just like... God, this Jared dude's a real fucking meathead. I've been, I've only known him for a couple weeks. And every time I was with him, we played cards together a couple times, but it was always just kind of in a mild conditions. And this dude's not one of us, man. He's not like me. He's not one of these guys that can handle his weed and enjoy this kind of world of moshing and having a good time and letting the music flow through your soul and just kind of get the dance going, whether it's a swinging back and forth, whether it's just kind of swaying your hands or it means body slamming somebody. It's however the music takes you. And he's not one of us. He's not, he's not like that, you know, and it kind of really bothered me because everybody I always hung out with growing up from the hood, whether you were a meathead or you were, uh, you know, basically a jock, stoner, gangster, whatever your cases were back growing up, everybody that I hung with appreciated music, whether it was rock, hip hop, blues, country, whatever you got into, you got into music, man. One friend of mine turned me on to Johnny Cash in the early 80s. And at first I'm like, when is this country shit? And Johnny Cash was awesome, you know, and he turned me on to that, which led me down the path of like Hank Sr. or Merle Haggard and all that stuff. So I'm listening to country while I'm rocking Judas Priest and listening to Led Zeppelin and hanging out here in BB King and, you know, just just a very well-rounded musical life I had early on. And uh, when people don't appreciate music, I, it just kind of turns me off, man. It's like being around somebody racist, you know what I mean? Your, your whole life, you, you look at things a certain point of view and you see people look at things in a negative point of view, whether it's music, social issues, whatever the case may be, and you just don't want to be around them. And that's how I was really getting all these feelings in 1990 is an 80s stoner, you know? All these feelings are hitting me like, God, I don't want to be around these people. This is this dude is not cool. And as I'm waiting for him, because I, I found his car, I did see he drove like a red, I think it was like a Firebird or something. And I seen it and I was waiting for him and all of a sudden I hear Tony. Hey, Tony. And there was this young couple that my myself and my wife knew that lived a few apartment doors down from me. And they were a real nice couple. I think they were from Arkansas. And he's like, hey, man, I didn't know you went to the show. You know, we're talking out there. And I'm like, hey, you guys, are, are you guys going home? They're like, yeah, man, it's like midnight. We're going home. Like, can you give me a ride back to the apartments? And they're like, yeah, no problem. So, hey, I hitched a ride with them. I didn't see Jared for like about a month. And we had a big cookout at our apartment complex. And he came to it and we talked. And he's like, dude, what happened to you? And I'm like, oh, man, you know, what? I just gave him some bullshit. I'm like, oh, I started hanging out with these Mexican dudes and I got really messed up with them. And next minute I know all the cars were gone. He's like, yeah, I was looking for you, man. I was really worried. I didn't know how to tell, uh, well, we'll just call her wife. We'll call her number one. <laughs> I couldn't, I didn't know how to tell number one tomorrow at work that I lost her husband. And I'm like, nah, dude, it's cool. It's cool. And he's, and from then on, like I said, I really didn't uh, have much of a relationship with him, but it was a great time to actually have my first experience with a mosh pit, even though in my day and in the eighties and hanging out in the hood. We called it body slamming. It was cool to be a part of a mosh pit to see Alice in Chains for the very first time before they really hit it big in the 90s. See Megadeth. To see Anthrax with the original singer. To have a performance from the late eight, well, or actually 1990 from Slayer and enjoy that kind of show at a small venue. It's one experience that I'll never forget, even though it was some tough times living down in San Antonio. That was a high point, hanging out here in some good rock and roll back in early 1990. I do hope everybody enjoyed Random Tales of an 80s Owner Volume 3 Concert Series. I hope it put a smile on your face and you enjoyed the time listening to it. I know I enjoy giving these stories out and giving you all these random tales. And if you want to hear more, go back to the Tony B channel and download all the random tales and all the good music, man. We got shows about the 70s, the 80s, the 90s music, and of course, our undercards of rock, the bands that you don't normally hear on the radio. And coming up very soon, we'll have an episode called The Undercards Rock, the new series that we're just going to focus back on all that good rock that you don't hear on the radio and some other surprises coming along the way. But be sure later this month, we will have Random Tales of an 80s Stoner Volume 4, the love connection. Because let me tell you, one thing that had a whole lot of weed, whole lot of drinking, and there was a whole lot of crazy stoner chicks back in the day. And with crazy stoner chicks were a lot of crazy breakups and crazy situations. So why not? We'll change the name so we protect all 
all the people that are innocent and give you some good random tales. Everybody be safe, take care, and be sure to keep checking for all the new content on the Tony B channel. I'm out of here.